Church, I encourage you to grab your Bible, and uh, if you'd like to take notes, grab your outline there in your uh, worship folder. We'll take off here together in just a second as we continue in our series, Running on Fumes, looking today not just on a message for moms, but for our entire families on what is it like if we are running on fumes in our family, and what do we do about it if we find ourselves without the energy? How do we get recharged in the Spirit? Let's pray together. Father, I ask that you would uh, prepare our hearts now, not just to uh, read over some of your texts and your scriptures, but God, I pray that you'll breathe on it. Allow it to come to life again for us. Lord, we know that your word is living and active. It is so useful in our life. For some, it will bring teaching. God, it will bring correction and even rebuke. Lord, it brings encouragement and strength. And Lord, we know that your truth... When we know your truth, embrace your truth, live your truth, it sets us free. So, Father, before we see it today, I praise you and thank you for the freedom that you long to bring in our life through your word. We ask these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. When you think about running on fumes, being tired, how, how many of you know what it's like to be, like, really tired? On this Mother's Day, there may be some moms who say, I know what it's like to be tired. I'm a mom. I'm tired. It's like part of my job description is to keep going even when I'm tired. I want you to think about a time when you weren't just like sleepy. You were exhausted. You were just like drained, beyond tired. You know what that feels like? Have you been so tired that you feel nauseous? I mean, you don't have a cold. You don't have the flu. But you are so drained. You are so sapped. It's just... It's just the nausea just comes over. You're just so depleted. You're out of it. I remember a time when I was in college. It was during finals week. And I kind of prided myself that I don't require a lot of sleep. Which, looking back, I don't know that I had any different makeup than anybody else. I just had a higher tolerance for depriving myself of health, I guess. But uh, I had made it through the week uh, on day one with two hours of sleep. Day two... Two hours of sleep again that night. Day three, two hours of sleep. And it came to day four, and I was wiped out. I just was sick. I don't think I caught any germs, but I was so depleted that I couldn't function. Running on fumes, I couldn't do what I was supposed to do in that moment. I believe that our families, at times, are running on fumes. We are to the point of exhaustion. We cannot perform the way God has called us to. A couple weeks ago, I started working with a new piece of software, new to me anyway, on some video edit software, and uh, I had made sure before I purchased the software that my laptop was up to snuff for what the software had to have. And so I checked my, uh, you know, ratings, everything in what I had and, and, uh, in that laptop, and I looked at what the minimum requirements were and recommended requirements for that software, and, and they matched up. And I had this software finally downloaded, and I'm ready to go. And, and as soon as I would try to import some video, the whole system would crash. It would just shut down. So I would try it again. I would restart everything. I'd try it again, and every time it would crash. And so I call the customer support line for this piece of software, and I say, hey, something's wrong. Your, your software is broken. And so they led me to the system requirements and made sure that I had the right thing. They said, well, you had the right thing. And then the guy asked me a very insulting question. He said, is your laptop plugged in? I thought, well, there's power on. I mean, it's, it's on. I'm using it. What do you mean is it plugged in? What does that have to do with anything? He said, this program is so demanding 
that if it's not plugged in, often your laptop will result to a power-saving mode because it's so depleted that it will not function at the highest level that is required. And so I plugged it in and everything worked and I felt really silly. But, you know, I think of our families. Sometimes we don't say, well, everything's broken. We're kind of halfway functioning. We kind of make it through. We, we kind of do some things. But, friends, when the taxing things of life, when the demanding things of life come, everything crashes and we're running on fumes in our family. How do you know? How can you identify if your family needs to be recharged, if they're completely drained, some things are sucking life out of them? In your notes, look at number one. I, I think... We can see one area of a constant drain on our life that would tell us that we're running on fumes in our family if desires become demands. Now we know that in a marriage relationship, when desires turn to demands, it causes all kinds of friction. It's the thought where one person's desire to live in a house of a certain type or to drive a certain type of car now shifts to a demand. I must have that house. I must have that car. Or it's the desire of how we're going to spend some vacation time or some free time or how we're going to spend this free evening. What are we going to do with this time? It's not just expressing my desire. It shifts to this is what we will do. It's my demand. When you think of how you're going to engage with your extended family, what house will you go to on vacation? Who will you invite to your house on the holidays? What will that look like? When it shifts from desires to demands, it can be a big drain. But I want to suggest, I don't think that's just for husbands and wives today. I think our families can see that take place. When children begin to demand things from their parents, not share their desires, this is not only friction, this can just sap energy. We are to respect our parents and and to share our desires, it's fine, but when they shift to demands, this brings a drain on us and our family. Moms and dads, I want to suggest I think that applies to us as well. Now hear me closely. I'm not trying to say that good parenting is void of an absolute truth or void of a steady hand on what boundaries should be. There are times when as mom and dad we have to say, this is the way it is because I am the leadership in your life. But I want to suggest that may not be so much a demand as it is a God-given responsibility of obedience as a parent. But moms, dads, think about how you relate to your kids. Is there any type of your conversation that expresses a desire or is everything your demand? Do this now. Feel this way now. Act this way now. Is everything we say a demand? If it's true, we're only modeling to our kids one aspect of parenting. Yes, authority is a part of it, but we also need to model what it means to submit to one another and share our desires. When we think of our brothers and sisters or our extended family, some things that we would like to see take place in those relationships, if we shift it to a demand, something happens in that family system that begins to drain the very energy out of that. Desires can be okay, but the problem comes when demands are placed on one another and it squeezes out the potential for love to be shared. When you're demanding something, You are not grateful for it. In fact, you feel entitled to it. And entitlement chokes out gratitude and thanksgiving. And if we only demand from one another of husbands and wives, moms and dads, sons and daughters, brothers and sisters, extended family, if we only demand from one another, we miss the gift of being thankful and having a heart of gratitude for what God has blessed us with in our family. 
I want to suggest today that on Mother's Day, it's good to give mom a card. It's good to give her chocolates or give her a gift or to not have her cook today or, or to take on some of her chores and to love on her. But the greatest thing you can do is to fuel her, to bring energy by loving her for who she is, not just for what she does. And shifting this thought of I'm going to demand things to say I want to see if there's another way to do it. Another indicator that your family may be running on fumes, drop this down number two, differences become divisive. We focus on our differences in a negative way, and not only is this true in marriage, it's true in our families. But think about it first in a husband-wife relationship. When you first meet your spouse for the first time, it's the things that are different about them that attracts you to them. They don't look the way you look. They don't talk the way you talk. They don't feel the same things that you feel. They are exciting. And then after one year or two or three or five years of marriage, they don't look the way that you look. And they don't talk the way you talk, and they don't feel the things that you feel. And the very things that attracted you to that husband or that wife are the things that can become divisive and can tear you apart. I think that can happen in our families as well. There's differences. I remember as a youth pastor in student ministry, a lot of times there would be students who'd come to me and say, Brady, you don't understand my dad. You don't understand my mom. They don't get it. They don't understand anything. They are so different than me. They'll never understand anything. This is a very, very valid part of adolescence, of, of finding our differences and discovering the differences. But when it's divisive, this is not healthy. It's amazing when that student reaches 25, 26, 27, 28 years of old, how wise dad becomes, how cool mom becomes, and we begin to see things differently. But at a point, those differences are dividing us, not uniting us together. Moms and dads, do you see the differences in your children, and do you honor them, or do you let them divide you? Dad, your son or daughter may not love everything that you love. They may not enjoy everything you enjoy. Your brother or sister, they may not act the way you act. You have a family member, and you look at them, and you see how they live their life, and you go, who is this person? Our family doesn't do what this sibling does. They don't think what this person thinks. They don't act that way. What, what, what is happening here? Can we honor each other's differences, or do we allow it to become divisive in our family? Uh, it was this last week. I went and I bought some green olives that were stuffed with blue cheese. <laughs> it was so good. They weren't in a jar. They weren't canned. They were fresh. They were amazing. And I brought them home like any other person with the same palate of taste would have. You want to share it with someone else. And so I wanted my girls to experience green olives with blue cheese stuffed inside and nobody voted to volunteer. So my desire became a demand and I said, uh, everybody's going to try one. Like this is going to happen. And so they reluctantly tried one, and they said, this is nasty, and they spit it out. And I thought, well, you can't just try one. You've got to try two. And I tried to force the second one, and they said, uh, no, we revolt. We're not doing it. You know, we can understand that not everybody in our family has the same taste bud. They don't always have the same uh, appetite for food, and that's one thing. It's kind of silly, but when it comes to the other very important areas of our life, do we allow our differences to divide us, or is there another way? I would suggest if your family system is not about honoring each other, but it's about being critical of one another, about being sarcastic with one another, you find yourself running on fumes, empty, drained as a family. 
Third, you may be running on fumes as a family in your relationships when disappointments become divorcements. Now by this I don't mean legal divorce, but I'm talking about people who live under the same roof, who share the same last name, who often ride in the same car, and yet they couldn't be any farther apart emotionally. Emotionally, they don't care for each other anymore. Family members have been so disappointed with one another that they have given up on each other. And there is that divorcement, there's that separation from one another. You've been so wounded by your husband. You've been so wounded by your wife. You've been so wounded by mom. You've been so wounded by dad. You've been so wounded by brother or sister or extended family member that you have just given up hope. And you live in that family system just as separate as you can be, even though you may be in somewhat proximity in your geography. Have you given up on your husband or your wife, your son or your daughter or your brother or your sister or your mom or your dad? If you have, you are definitely running on fumes and you're vulnerable and you need to be recharged with the power of the Spirit. How do we recharge our family relationships? So far, everything we've talked about, we may be able to have some kind of diagnosis of what we observe in and of ourselves, but there's no power in just having the diagnosis. I mean, you could try to find some help from some pop psychology of, of how to better communicate or understand what you're feeling, and there's some value to that, but I don't think there's necessarily power in that. And you may have some kind of understanding to try to explain why something happened, and there may be some healing in that, but I don't know that there's power in that. Let's look to God's Word. If you have your Bible, turn to John 13, 34, or it's in your outline. I think it's even on the screen. Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Now, the first thing that jumps out to me in this verse, Jesus doesn't say, this new suggestion I give to you. Or this, like, new idea to try out whenever you're bored. Or this new, just kind of, uh, you know, extra credit thing. This is a command. This new command I give you, it's for all of us. He doesn't leave it up to our option. He says, this is what you're supposed to do. What? Love one another. How? You're to love your mom and dad the way that they loved you. No. You're to love your kids the way that your parents loved you. No. You're to love your kids the way they love you back. No, you are to love one another the way Jesus has loved you. Jesus calls us to a new level in our relationships of being committed to one another. 1 Peter 5 says, All of you clothe yourself with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Now, when Jesus says, clothe yourself, I can just imagine when he says, clothe yourself with humility, I imagine like this apron that you put on. And when you think about this word picture of clothing yourself, it's visible. Like, when I put on this jacket and and clothe myself with this jacket today, you can see the choice of clothing that I've put on. Sometimes I think we, we see these commands to be obedient and being humble and gentle to one another and putting each other first. Well, that's just kind of inside. You may not see it in me, but it's in my heart. No. Clothe yourself. When someone has an apron on, they're wearing it on top of their, their other garments, you can see them coming with the apron. Do people see you coming in your family relationships with an attitude of a servant, with a heart of humility, or do they see you with something else? Now, Jesus says... This isn't just for some of you. Look at the first part of that verse. All of you clothe yourself. 
Not just for those who are sensitive and you're really in touch with your emotions. No. Every single one of us, clothe yourself with humility. Why? Because God opposes the proud. That means if I do not wear the apron of a servant, to have the heart of humility, if I do not lift up my family above myself, God will oppose me. That's what Scripture says. I think this is powerful for somebody here today. Maybe you've been trying to figure out why your family system is not working. Maybe you've tried to figure out why your life is is not going the way you hoped. Could it possibly be that God himself is opposing you because your pride is getting in the way? Your desire to put yourself first, to lift yourself up, to have your way instead of surrendering to God's way, it is blocking the health in your family relationship. Well, what do I do about this? I am to... Put God first to humble myself and to lift up my family. Well, I put others first at work. I put others first at church. I put others first in the community. But when you come home, do you have this sense of entitlement or expectation? Men, nobody should be served like our wives and like our kids. Family, you shouldn't serve anybody to the level that you serve your own family, laying down your own rights and lifting them up above yourself. Now check this out. It's not just a negative part of the command. There's a positive promise in here. It says, but God shows favor to the humble. Now what does that tell us? When, when we humble ourselves and honor one another, God lifts us up in due time. Look at this. Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up In due time. Now what this means is, is when we do this, God will take care of the rest in our life. But the problem is, we don't always like due time. I like my time. You say, well, I've tried this. I've tried to be patient with them. I've tried to be loving towards them. I've tried to go the extra mile. I've I've tried to do this. And they didn't respond the way I wanted. They didn't do what I asked. and, and, And they... They haven't gotten better, they've gotten worse, and I'm so frustrated, and, and pretty soon, I, I'm so aggravated that my disappointment leads to divorcement, or I see the differences and they begin to divide us, and, and I miss out on what God has for me. Well, look what the scripture says. If I trust God, He will lift me up in due time. The rest of the verse says, cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. I wonder why that verse says that. Could it be that God knows that when we trust His time, not our time, that He knows we're prone to anxiety and He says, give me that anxiety. One way to muscle through that, I believe, with the power of the Spirit is to look at this issue of covenant and contract. We need to choose a covenant over a contract. Let me explain. A A contract is when we limit our responsibility and we protect our rights. If I'm going to have a contract with somebody, I clearly spell out what's expected of me. I clearly spell out what's expected of them. And if if they follow through on what they say, and if I follow through on what I say, then there will be a promised outcome. But if one party does not follow through on what is promised, I limit my responsibility. And I, I hang on to my rights and say, I no longer have that obligation to you. You broke the contract. And so, therefore, the deal is off. But a covenant is very different. We respect and we accept the responsibility, and we give up our rights. 
And so when the other person who we're in covenant with, when they disappoint us, when they fall short, we don't say the deal's off. We say, hey, I accept my responsibility to my promise, not to how you produce. And I choose to give up my rights and love you in spite of whatever disappointment I may have. What does that look like for you as a husband, for you as a wife, for you as a son or a daughter or a sibling? To love your family with a covenant love. I choose to love you based off my promise, not based off of what your performance is. A family that runs on fumes is basing their relationship off of a contract, not a covenant. Well, what do we do about this? Where is the hope? Where can the energy come? Where can the refueling take place? Quickly, I want to share three thoughts from God's Word, I think, that are very appropriate for us on Mother's Day. Definitely give Mom a card. Give her flowers. Give her candy. Give her a gift. And and, uh, take some of her chores away today. But wouldn't it be better to not just honor her this one day, but what if you would say, as the husband, as the son, as the daughter, as the brother or sister to my other family, I'm going to honor my family. And first, I can bring a recharge of the Holy Spirit in my family by surrendering my expectations. When I surrender my expectations, it's not ignoring the expectation I have. It's not saying there's no desires in my life, but I am surrendering the expectation. I don't surrender to them, but I surrender it to the Lord. It's saying, Lord, honestly, I have some expectations of how I'll be treated. I have some expectations of what reciprocal love will look like, but Lord, I surrender that to you, and I want you to enable me to love them with your love, not my own love, not my expectations. God, I need your help to love my family the way that you have loved me. Philippians 2 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but to each, but each of you to the interest of others in your relationships with one another have the same mind as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. No, rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. If you and I are going to recharge the relationships that we have in our family, we have to surrender the expectations we have of each other to God. Taking on the form of a servant. There is no faster way that I can think to recharge your family when it is depleted, when it cannot operate the, God, the way God has called it to operate. There's no faster way to bring fuel or a recharge to the family than to serve your family. You want your relationship with your child to improve? Serve them. You want your relationship with your parent to improve? Serve them. You want your relationship with your spouse to improve. Serve them. Second, honor our differences. That can be hard. But when we honor the differences in one another, it is not only pleasing to God, but it opens up the avenue for a Christ-like attitude to be present, which God can bless. Romans 12, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, But rather, think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as, excuse me, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we, though many, form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts, yes, according to the grace given to each of us. 
but devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. Now this passage is clearly talking about the body of Christ and the church, but it applies to our family as well. The, the God-fearing family. And when we begin to see the differences, the different giftings in one another, and how we complete each other, instead of competing with one another, it can bring the avenue of, of fuel and regeneration into our family's life. Third and final this morning, practice forgiveness. I don't mean just... Practice forgiveness in those big, deep, dark wounds that someone in your family has left you with a scar that you can't move forward without. Forgiveness is needed there. But I'm afraid that sometimes in our families, we only would extend forgiveness when someone has blown it big time. But in the everyday pattern of life, our expectations are so high that there's not a culture of forgiveness spread. It's one of get it right the first time. But you could bring an energy to your family by saying, Dad, I'm going to choose to forgive you before you ask for it. Mom, I'm going to choose to forgive you before you ask for it. Son or daughter, I'm going to do the same. Brother, sister, I'm going to create a culture of forgiveness. Psalm 130 says, Lord, if... If you kept a record of our sins, who, O oh Lord, could ever survive? But you offer forgiveness that we may learn to fear you. I thank God that he doesn't keep a scorecard with us. I think one of the best Mother's Day gifts that we can give to our mom is to lay down the scorecard and say, Mom, I don't just love you because of everything you've done. I love you because of who you are. I choose to love you the way Jesus has loved me. I believe this could speak to a mom here today. Maybe as you see other families honor their mothers, and for whatever reason your family hasn't honored you the way that you hope, and, and it brings hurt to your heart, you, you can say, you know, I choose to love my family or the memory of my family in spite of the pain that I feel, and I'm going to practice this attitude of forgiveness. Why? We need to expect that we will let each other down. We need to expect that we won't get it right. Why? Because we're human. And when we create this culture of practicing forgiveness with one another, we are passing on one of the traits of Jesus Christ himself. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every other form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ has forgiven you. As we close this morning, I want to spend some time praying together with our families. Maybe you can identify that some desires and wants in your family have shifted to demands. One family member demanding of another and it's just sapping the gratitude and thanksgiving out of your family. Maybe the differences that you have with one another are no longer appealing. They become divisive. Maybe you've been so disappointed with a member of your family that you've almost given up. And, and it's like that divorcement, that separation from one another. I encourage you today... Ask God to give you his strength to love your family the way he loves you. Surrendering your expectations to God. Honoring your differences and practicing a lifestyle of forgiveness. As we close this morning, would you stand with me? And here's what I'd like us to do. If your family is in this room somewhere today and you're not seated with them, I'd like you right now to, to just go find your family. So students, kids, if you're not seated by your parents, go, go find them right now. If your family is spread out over a couple rows, you may want to step into the aisle and just kind of huddle up together. You may want to come forward here to the altar and huddle up together. But I'd like every family that's here to kind of gather together. If your family is not here with you today, as we walk through this prayer together, I want you to encapsulate in your mind your family members who 
or not in this room. Maybe you're here today and and most of your family, if not all of them, have passed on. I want you to think about not only the memory of them, but the family of Grace Point. We desperately need you to be involved in teaching us and showing us how to love one another. If Dad is here today, Dad, in a second, as we pray together, I want you to take the lead. And uh, I'm going to ask our families to do something now. For some of you, this is super easy. Others, I'm going to like freak you out, but it's okay. I want you to just hold the hand of your family that's with you. You're related. You're not going to like past germs. It's going to be okay. Just huddle up there and hold, hold hands with one another. And if Dad is here in just a minute, when I pray, I don't want you to listen to me to pray. I want you to pray out loud, just loud enough for your family to hear you. I want you to pray the prayer, setting the example, saying, God, I surrender my expectations to you. Help me love my family with your attitude. God, I choose to honor the differences one another. Help me to do that. And God, help me set the pace as Dad to practice forgiveness as a culture in our family. If dad is not here today, mom, I want you to take the lead. If, if you're just with your siblings, the oldest sibling, you take the lead. But as I pray, I want us to pray together. Very good. I need you. I need you to come up here too. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the families you have blessed us with. I thank you, Lord, for the love that you have given to us that was not based off of what we deserve or what our performance was or anything like that. I thank you that you loved us with your all-sufficient grace. Lord, I pray that you'll empower us today to love one another, not because of what we have done, but because of our commitment to one another, our covenant with one another, out of our promise to you and to one another, not out of the performance of the person to our left and right. Now, Dad, I encourage you right now in your own words, you just pray, lead the way on how you want to be an example in honoring the differences and practicing forgiveness and beginning to see how you can take the lead there. You just go ahead and pray with your family right now. Those of you who do not have your family standing next to you, I want you to know that I've been praying for you this morning and you are such a vital part of our church family. I've been praying that, that we could love you and you could love us with that same Christ-like love. As an extension of your biological family, as your church family, we want to enter into that covenant relationship with you. Father, I thank you right now for the mothers that you have given to us. But Lord, we choose today not just to thank them and appreciate them for what they have done, though many have been so honorable and so selfless and so sacrificial in their love for us. We can thank them for that. But Lord, we choose today to love our mom, our mother who is here, our mother who has passed on, as we love and appreciate the memory of her, out of who she is. And Lord, we honor her with your love, not because of what she has produced or how she's performed, but because of the promise you have given us in your love. It's in your powerful name, Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. May God bless you. Do not let today go without telling mom you love her. Don't let today go without telling your family how much you love them. May God bless you. You're dismissed. Enjoy the Lord.